what are our priorities now? They're likely to have shifted fundamentally, both at work, at home, and in our relationship. And many couples are trying to retrofit a routine as if nothing's changed, like how can we keep going the way we did two months ago? That's just not gonna work. And this does feel like a little bit of a make or break time for families. And what I'm observing in, you know, the people I'm talking to for my research, but also sort of friends, colleagues and ourselves, is that the families who are more on the, the make side than the break side are families who are really together taking a step back and going back to these basics. Okay, what do we all need? How can we support each other? And then we're going to drop the rest. If your children are over five or six years old, this will be one of the defining moments of their childhood. They will look back at this in 30 years time and talk to their friends, where were you when we were all in lockdown and what happened and what was happening in your family? This is a defining moment and I think we need to remind ourselves of that. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adeshio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. My name is Kristen Hall. I'm the COO of Mother Honestly, and I am so excited to have Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer Petrielli join me today on the podcast. Um, this is one I'm so excited to have. We have her coming up. You'll see her on a couple different Mother Honestly channels in the coming weeks. Um, but today she's joining us on the podcast, which is so exciting. And uh, Jennifer, if you'd be so kind and give us a, our listeners a little bit of an overview of you and how you're doing right now. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. So hi, everyone. I, I live in France, so I've been in lockdown a little bit longer than you guys um, with my husband and two kids. We're doing okay right now. I'm a professor at INSEAD, which is a business school over here, and I research working couples. So on the one hand, it's a great time for me, my research. I published a book earlier this year called Couples That Work, which is looking at how working couples can really thrive over their lifetime and career together. And right now I've been running a survival series for couples in lockdown, looking at how we can get through this stressful period where we've got our careers, our relationship and our kids, if we have them under one roof 24 seven. Yeah. Yes, it's definitely, I was just talking to someone about kind of the, the pre and the post period of what we're looking at. So I, I would love to talk about both kind of your book that you released before this, the kind of couples that work and what that looked like. And then definitely, you know, the survivor series, what are, how is that kind of uh, just exponentially changed some of the problems and difficulties that we saw before, before we were all locked down together. So tell me a little bit more about couples that work, your work in that book. Yeah, so the book is really takes um, a long term view to look at what are the challenges couple, working couples face over the long term and how can we tackle them. And if you think about the work that's been done on careers so far, when we think of careers, all the books out there, and there's some great books, but they treat our careers as if we're flying solo with, with no one attached and no strings, right? 
and books on relationships tend to overlook careers. And when they do talk about careers, it's mainly about how we split the household chores, which is important, but it's not the only thing, right? Those of us in working couples also face decisions on career prioritization, who leads geographic moves, how we coordinate career transitions, all of these issues pop up. And I wanted to really look at this holistically. And so the book focuses on three transitions that working couples face, which are points where we have to make some tough choices and points that really make or break couples during their career span together. Oh, wow, I love that. And what kind of, was it from your own experience or just your studies at the universities that kind of fold this together? Yeah, so I really wanted to base it on a big research project. So I studied more than 100 couples over time and they're couples very diverse from different backgrounds, different career paths, different career stages. So some starting off and some close to retirement. So really trying to maximize diversity to understand what are the patterns that cut across couples, whatever stage and age they're at. Lovely. And what was there a big theme on, did you see more kind of splits against kind of where people were in their career so new starting out versus mid-career versus end of career did it change more geographically um, were it common threads between them all yeah so there are definite common threads and they're really related to the stage we're at in our couple and also of course the stage we're at in our career and these two things um intersect so there are specific challenges for example that hit us in the early days of our relationship when we're trying to figure out, you know, how can we structure our lives in a way that enables us both to have the careers we want and the relationship we want and, and children if, if we want children as well. So there's specific challenges that couples face, whether they get together, you know, at 28, 48 or 68, we still need to work through those things. And then there are things related to career stage, for example, often at mid-career, many people go through a period of questioning, is this really the path I want to take? It's a time when a lot of us think about career transitions, either big ones or small reorientation careers. Very, very stressful time for, for couples. We know that the divorce rate peaks at this time. And so there's a lot going on there that's to do with that mid-career point, which is another point that's very challenging for couples. I always tell people that when I'm listening on the podcast, I'm always furiously writing notes in the background. So just as you're uh, writing that down, I was like, oh, that's good to keep in mind that divorce peaks mid-career. Um, so I think that book's fascinating. It's one that I have, I've ordered from Amazon here in the U S and I'm anxiously awaiting the arrival so I can read it while I'm in lockdown. Um, <laughs> but you know, before that, I think it, you probably, it's gotta be fascinating talking to people now in this new kind of pandemic survival world of, we just crashed everyone's kind of ecosystem of how they operate in the manner in which they kind of ran their lives and now you know, what are you seeing in the survival side of things? Yeah, I mean, what's happening now is, is this, the lockdown is really amplifying all the challenges and the good things that happen in our couple. So it's obviously adding a layer of stress, but really what it's doing is making visible things that were happening before, but we were able to sweep under the carpet. You know, if we're out at work seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a day, and then we're running errands, we're sorting the kids out, it's very easy to let things go right to sweep things under the carpet and to think oh you know i'm not going to mention that it's going to be fine right now there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide 
So all of these things are coming out, you know, the imbalances of power in relationships, the imbalances of who carries the weight for certain things, who gets support and who gives support. All of these things are coming out. And, um, and that's creating a lot of stress for couples who've maybe not dealt with them before. And so on the one hand, it's um, a very challenging time. And at the same time, it presents an opportunity for couples to, you know, work on this stuff. So when we come out of the other side of this, we're going to be in a much better position. And what do you recommend? I think on the, um, I have two questions for you. What do you recommend for people on the individual or like the couple level that they can work on this? And then are you seeing anything in which um, companies or organizations are able to support people that are, you know, not only going through it themselves, most likely, but also kind of an additional stressor that's being added to their employees. Yeah, sure. So from the couple side, and my whole survival series is um, taking one challenge at a time. So maybe you'll put that on the show notes so people can, can refer back to that, but, but just a couple of things. Um, we are all right now obsessed about kind of routines and how to divide the day, which is kind of important. But what I'm finding is that can be a red herring because there are really much more fundamental issues at play here. For example, what are our priorities now? They're likely to have shifted fundamentally, both at work, at home, and in our relationship. And many couples are trying to retrofit a routine as if nothing's changed like how can we keep going the way we did two months ago that's just not going to work so what I'm finding is the couples who are doing well are really going back to basics and looking at okay how has our world changed what are our new priorities therefore what do our boundaries need to be how do we divide up the day and um, look after the children in a way and look after our work that suits those new priorities rather than just trying to carry on business as usual. So that's one big thing couples need to do is really take a step back and think, what do we need now? And also, how can we support each other? It's likely that the support we need from a partner has changed a lot, right? We're anxious about different things, but also we're facing different issues. So going back to basics around that support and the priorities is very key. No, that's really great. Um, it's, I wrote that down, and I think that will be my dinner time conversation with my husband this evening, um, is to go back to the basics on that one. I think that's paramount for people to really, and it, you've, we've seen a lot of that. I would say that's one of the things I think both in the news and on social media, you know, people are saying, well, if you just, you know, establish a routine and get up and do this and live your day in that sense, I think, you know, yes, to a certain extent that does work. Um, but I also think it's adding an additional layer of pressure that people might not necessarily need. And to your point, kind of hiding those issues of trying and to I fit think, what was and not addressing yeah. where we are now. And I think particularly for those of us who are parents, it's a very dangerous approach because what we need to, there's two things we need, I keep saying to people. One is if your children are over five or six years old, this will be one of the defining moments of their childhood. They will look back at this in 30 years time and talk to their friends. Where were you when we were all in lockdown and what happened and what was happening in your family? This is a defining moment. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that. And the second is we cannot just keep our children's routines going or try and keep them going because the needs of our children have fundamentally shifted, both their emotional and their practical, the things they need from us practically. And I think as parents, our first job has to be going back to basics and thinking, 
okay, what do my kids need from me emotionally, practically right now? And I need to act on those needs, not the needs they had three months ago that I was trying to fulfill. And when we look at it, those needs have shifted enormously. So for most kids, their worlds are turned upside down. They can't see their friends. They're not seeing their teachers, their sports coaches, all these people who populated their lives. It's very stressful and they have different practical needs. So we've really got to go back to basics with our kids as well. I think that's got to be refreshing for a lot of parents to hear because one of the things, you know, we keep getting um, commentary on that mother honestly relates to, you know, parents are really struggling trying to balance, you know, being a, uh, having their own careers and now suddenly being thrust into being that teacher and they're trying to kind of rigorously keep those, um, a lot of parents, you know, a lot of parents are having to deal with having their kids on Zoom calls or these different kind of interactive methods and also doing this offline teaching. And I think that is, you know, for a lot of parents, they're not used to that kind of having that job. And then I think it adds additional stress then to the children on trying to force them to follow, you know, no one's following the same rule book or the same playbook right now. And I think we're, to your point, it's, we may, that may not be what's the most important thing right now is are they learning, you know, what was prescribed in necessarily the lesson plan while still there are points of that of course we want children to learn that but I think to your point the the emotional and the simplistic needs if we're not addressing that we can't move on to the next step absolutely and I think there's a reason why schools don't let teachers teach their own children right and many of us are discovering (laughs) that reason now and I think we need to bear that in mind because we have our role as parents we are there to supply very different needs. We're there primarily for the emotional needs, right? And to support the practical thing. And I think, you know, it's not our job to teach algebra to our children and it should not be. (laughs) Yeah. What have you been kind of with your home and, you know, you've mentioned that you're in lockdown a little bit longer. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what are you, what are you seeing even with your children or in your relationship, if you feel comfortable sharing any of that or what you're seeing with friends and kind of what's going on in France and that society of addressing this? Because I have a feeling it's probably a little bit different than what we're seeing in the U.S. right now. Yeah, so I think the advantage with France and with Europe as a whole is we tend to be slightly more hands-off parents than the US. So I think the stress, you know, there's less societal pressure on the fact that parents need to do everything. That said, it's still obviously very stressful. And this does feel like a little bit of a make or break time for families. And what I'm observing in you know the people I'm talking to for my research but also sort of friends colleagues and ourselves is that the families who are more on the the make side than the break side are families who are really together taking a step back and going back to these basics okay what do we all need how can we support each other and then we're going to drop the rest you know and if so my kids learn the piano they haven't played any piano for six weeks. I'm like, that is a non-essential thing. <laughs> you know, if they want to do their piano, that's fine, but I'm not saying anything. And I think that the parents that are doing well and the families that are doing well are really thinking about what is absolutely necessary and everything else is a luxury. And if it happens, it happens. And if not, it's absolutely fine. Just writing that down again. I've always been taking my notes, but I think that's a very... Um a great reminder for all parents regardless of what region you are is um 
going back to basics, as we've mentioned, the non-essential, I think that your example of the piano lessons is, you know, really big because I've seen a couple of people, they're like, well, we still got to keep them, you know, on their softball regimen. Well, yes, if that's what they want to be doing, but if you exactly. have it scheduled because it shouldn't. And so I think I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, and I'm not certain if you've seen it um, in what you're observing or that, but is there anything we can encourage employers or organizations to do to help, um, you know, parents at this time, or even those without children, employees, kind of as they're mitigating this new, new environment that we're in? Yeah, there's a lot employees can do. I, I would say I would highlight three or four things. The first thing is to for, for bosses and, and employees to speak to each and every one of the employees. And first of all, talk about reiterate what are the new priorities? Because there's so many people I've spoken to who said, you know, I've got all these projects on, I need to keep them all going. But the reality is for most of us, most organizations, the priorities have shifted quite heavily. And if we as employers, if we as employees know, okay, these are two or three really important things. And the other things we can take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, that's going to take the pressure off enormously. It's also going to help the business because we're all working to the same priorities. So that's one thing. The second is to understand employees' individual constraints. The reality is for most, especially working parents, we cannot work the hours we used to work and at the same time of day, right? We need to make, some of us are getting up really early and doing that early morning shift and others of us are working into the night. Things are shifting around. And so it's really helpful when employers reach out to their employees and say, you know, I know life's a bit disrupted, what are your constraints right now? And understanding that they may get emails and things at very strange times of the day. And there may be other periods where their employees are less available. But just to acknowledge that and understand those constraints means a lot to, to employees that, okay, you care, you're listening to me, and you understand that these are the periods where it's going to be tougher for me to be sort of on hand, you know, 24-7. I also think there are, you know, many employees organizations now are stretched for cash. You know, the economy is tanking. We know this is a difficult period. However, there are a lot of free resources out there that can help people, you know, whether it's podcasts, it's book recommendations, it's, you know, things like my survival series. There's lots of things employees can kind of produce a resource pack. And I've been talking to some really good employees who've produced a little resource pack for, for their workers to say, hey, you know, we've gathered some articles, some podcasts and things on, you know, how to work at home effectively, guides for working parents, etc., and give those to people to help them. Because on the one hand, we can say, oh, yeah, but you can just search the internet. But that's another thing we have to do. And it's another piece of time. And I think employers can really show they care and do something that costs nothing, right? Just one person needs to go there and produce a resource pack for employees, which can mean an enormous amount for people and really give some practical support. I think those are great suggestions for employees. And I think, you know, to your point earlier, it's going back to the basics. It's showing from, you know, sometimes these inflexible and rigid organizations that they, they really do have that human element and it doesn't take much time or resources on behalf of the manager or the organization to ask some of those questions or to provide, you know, some sort of semblance of 
giving them more information. So to your point, they're not out there searching for that. I think that's, yeah. that's a really, really great and I kind of few tips. I think, you know, this, so many of our organizations these days are talking a good game about, you know, supporting women, supporting working parents. This is when they are going to prove it. And what they do now will be remembered for a long time. And so I think organizations need to remind ourselves, we are being watched like hawks by our employees. And what we do now is extremely important. And it's our chance to really prove we're serious about what we say. So it's also an opportunity for employees to prove that they, they mean it. I love that. And I agree. I think it's, we will, you've already seen certain companies that have come out and really stood by their employees. And you've seen the ones that have already really not done a good job, even on if, especially some of those frontline workers, yeah. ones that are essential workers that have not received necessarily the care and the support from their companies. And I think, you know, as a society, when we're, we're remembering those companies and I think people will show up eventually on the consumer side that where they will support or not support. Um, you and, when the, and when the economy gets back, who, who is going to get all the job applications, right? It's certainly not going to be those employees who've not treated their, their employees well. Yes, it'll speak volumes for years to come. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Your Survivor Series that you've mentioned, how can people, is this something that's available for kind of yeah, anyone to engage in? It's free for everyone. They can go onto my website or onto YouTube and um, look it up. And each day there's a two to three minute video. So very short, doesn't take long. And then there's an accompanying PDF, which um, has like a little conversation guide or a mini exercise you can do with your partner, which would take 10 minutes in the evening just to try and tackle one of the issues you might be facing. Oh, I love that. What a great resource. And how is that then, I, it's something it sounds like that you love to do studying organizational design and what you've been learning. Um, you know, are you yourself, has this been kind of a pressure point for you to try and um, turn these two to three minute videos out a day in the PDF? Um, so it, the kids have really enjoyed filming them, actually. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs> my kids are old hey, enough that, you know, they pick the outfit and you know, hold the camera and all that. <laughs> I love that, though, but they're going to, you know, that's going to be really for them a foundational or a core memory of this time is helping yeah, I mean, not only I support your think, work. I do think we have an opportunity. Obviously, if our kids are a little bit older, you know, more than four or five years old to really bring them into our work. I think these days there's almost an artificial separation between work and home. The reality is we have one body, right? We, <laughs> we go from place to place. And I do think there's an opportunity to bring our children and our partners into our work a bit more so they understand what we do, why we do it. Um, and it becomes more of a family business per se, as opposed to every individual doing their own thing. I love that. One of the questions I always like to ask my podcast guests before kind of we wrap up on the series, but I, I, the last time we recorded this, we weren't necessarily in the throes of COVID-19 and a global pandemic. So I always ask people, you know, what were you planning for 2020? And that may have shifted a little bit based on where we are. Um, so kind of what, what was your goal for this year and kind of have you modified it or has it changed your course, do you think, post pandemic, whenever that may be? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I had an incredibly busy year last year with the launch of the book and everything. So my goal this year was to take the foot off the gas a bit. And now I'm being forced to. So 
so um, so it's an it's a forced fallow period which is which i think is not necessarily a bad thing and i'm my allotment is coming on really well good and i think not in the sense of i very forthright that you were able to see that you needed to kind of after having a very challenging year um maybe so you know not necessarily but in the sense of having a busy schedule and launching a book that comes with a lot of constraints there on your time and resources. Uh, but recognizing for you that you needed to kind of have, before you were forced to have it, a year of slowing down a little bit. I think that's a good reminder for women, especially that, you know, everyone, we overbook ourselves sometimes and force so much on our plate that again, to your earlier kind of theme of this is that, go back to basics what's important what's it going to look like after whatever period this ends in because i think for a lot of us we don't have the time to do some of these reflections and yeah. to your point this has been forced on us uh get you know gas is off for right now it's on in a different way but just to really kind of i don't think we hopefully will ever have another period in our time where we're confined like this uh but it Fingers does crossed. prove <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, an opportunity for some of those reflections. So again, for our listeners, we have uh, you coming up on a couple of other Mother Honestly um, opportunities coming up, but how can people go? What's the best website for them to reach you and to follow this? So it's my personal website, which is www.jpetrieri. And I'm going to spell that because it's not easy. <laughs> it's j-p-e-t-r-i-g-l-i-e-r-i.com. And maybe you put that on the show notes as well, because I know my surname is the most challenging thing about me for most people. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we'll include links to your website as well as your social media on our, um, both on the Apple iTunes side of it, as well as when we promote it on social media, because I think you have a lot of great resources that's really, really important for employees, organizations to take a look at. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with you today. Thank you so much for Thank your time. You. And I'm oh. very excited to get my Couples That Work book in the mail. <laughs> I'll be writing seriously notes on that. But I wish you all the best in the coming week. Stay, stay, stay well. Um, and thank you again so much for being a guest today on the Mother Honestly podcast, which before I sign off is sponsored by Motor City Women Studios, which we are so great to have their support. So everyone stay safe stay well, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more of what we're talking about, head to motherhonestly.com for relevant content for mothers at work, in business, and those figuring out their next steps. Mother the Summit 2020 will be here before you know it. Save the date in your calendar for October 1st and 2nd at the Brooklyn Expo Center, New York, where 1,000 plus women will rise together in motherhood. I'm asking you for a favor. Please rate and review our podcast. Your reviews help us grow, and we love growing here at Mother Honestly. Bye for now. See you next week.